Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. I'm privileged today that I get to bring you Beth Comstock. She's with us. I'm going to read her biography. Her mission is to understand what's next, navigate change, and help others do the same. By cultivating a habit of seeking out new ideas, people, and places, she built a career path from storyteller to chief marketer to corporate vice chair. Beth spent nearly three decades at GE until December 2017, and as Vice Chair of Business Innovation and previously Chief Marketing Officer, she led efforts to accelerate new growth, develop digital and clean energy futures, seed new business, and enhance brand value. As President of Integrated Media at NBC Universal, Beth also oversaw TV ad revenue and new digital efforts, including the early development of Hulu.com. She's a director at Nike, trustee of the National Geographic Society, and former board president at the Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian National Design Museum, graduated from the College of William and Mary with a degree in biology, and her first book, Imagine It Forward, about working and living on the front lines of change, uh, was released in 2018 and named Best Business Book Pick by Fast Company and Wired UK. Beth, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you, Derek. You, uh, you have such a great story, and I want to be able to tell some of that and from, from, your, from you. Um, so before we go into some questions about your book, which I'm really excited about, um, I want our listeners to get to know more about you for those that don't know you, because you do have an interesting story uh, of transition and of growth, and, and you've, you've, you've really paved the way uh, at uh, G's First Woman Vice Chair and so many other things you've done that are, that are transformational. Tell us a little bit about you and, and some of your background. Yeah, well, my path to, to that was somewhat un unconventional, even as you read in my bio. I, um, I went to school to study biology and thought I was going to go to medical school. But uh, I pretty quickly, as I was working my way through uh, as a biology major, realized I wanted to be a journalist covering science and health. And so um, storytelling was part of my um, my calling. And that took me uh, into the media world. I was not very good as a reporter. I, I did, lacked a lot of confidence in the early days. So I quickly went behind the scenes. And uh, before you know it, I ended up at NBC doing communications and then um, led to advertising and marketing. And, and NBC was owned by GE. And so it was kind of a natural jump that I uh, moved from to GE and went into marketing. And marketing led to innovation. So it makes perfect sense to me, but it probably doesn't make sense on paper. <laughs> I love stories of transition and pivoting. My own life has been that way as well. And, and to see the transformation, you went into it thinking one thing and, and then it, it evolved. And I love that mindset. Um, tell I think me it's important mindset. I, I often tell not just students. Yeah. I actually did something at a university recently. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you major in. It, it matters what you're learning. But I think that's relevant for people after they graduate, and we often forget that we get so focused in our functional areas. So yeah. I, I'm a big believer in the ability 
to just open up to discover, to learn, and to push the boundaries of what the definition of your job is. And you don't know what's around the corner. And we, we see uh, interns interns come into our agency and do uh, college internships, and they feel the weight of the world sometimes on them of, of what they're going to be when they quote unquote grow up. And and uh, you know it's it's taken me twenty years to figure that out. And that there's been so many transitions and of growth in that time. Yours is an amazing story of of doing it at the highest level. What, what else does it take for a mindset to, to be open to that? Because we do want to figure it all out and see our path in front of us. Uh, but it takes, I guess, some trust as well that you're going to find your way. Yeah. And I feel uh, I'm a real life example of this. I mean, I worked for in, a, in business for nearly 30 years and now I'm rebooting myself uh, at a at a time I, I feel like I don't know what I'm going to be next right now. Um, and um, I actually, I, I think, what does it take? I, I'm a big believer in some of the work that Carol Dweck out of Stanford has done on a growth mindset. Um, but I think I, I, I'm big on curi- being curious, being a, a continual learner. And I think all of us, we, we fall on a spectrum of those things. Some people are more curious than others. Some want to learn more than others. Um, but I think that's how you stay adaptable and resilient in the face of so much change. Um, so I, I really think it is a, a, a an adaptation mindset that we need. And I, I've really come to the conclusion that change is everybody's job now. It's not just something you can delegate. It's not just the CEO or you delegate it to your transformation officer. Mm. And so I think every one of us has to be much more open to figure out what is around the corner. We, we, we're not going to tell the future, but you can start to see patterns and trends. And I think that's something that everyone has to do now. Mm. Every Everyone in every business too. We, we right. went through that transformation a couple of years ago as an agency and all of a sudden we, we took a dip and we looked around and said, uh-oh, where's our industry going? What What's changing consumer demand? What changes do we need to make? Are we relevant? What do we, and it was scary as a, as a small business owner to look at that. I had no choice. I had to look at it. Yeah. And what did you do? How did you navigate through that? We made a change. We made, well, it started with me, Beth. I, and, and I don't want to make this about me, but I had to start and say, what am I doing as a leader uh, with my team? What am I doing? What am I doing that's right and wrong? And what, what, how am I leading my team? So it started with the brutal honesty about where we were at and accepting it and then looking at what solutions were. It was really, that was the mindset I had to have. Yeah, I think that open mindset is part that that openness is part of the mindset shift. I'm big on feedback loops. And I Mm. wish in my career, in the businesses I worked with, I think the faster you get feedback about what's happening in the marketplace with your customers, with your employees, the faster you're able to adapt. And one of the questions I came to love, it's a horrible question to deal with, but it's really important is tell me something I don't want to hear. And often that's, those are the toughest questions. You know, maybe your product isn't as competitive. Your customers like something else that you're not prepared for. Uh, Your employees aren't as happy as you think they are. Um, You're not as good a leader as you think you are. And so I think those (laughs) things are important because if you don't have those feedback loops, you're going to, you know, be, be surprised by them. And so that's, I think that openness to reality is part of that growth mindset. That's great advice. Tell me something I don't want to hear. And and if not, uh, otherwise they won't tell you and they'll disappear. And that could be employees or customers and, and demand that, that great advice. How do you go about asking that? Well, you ask it, but I think you're, you're pointing out you, it's, it's a, it's a process. I mean, you just can't go up to someone and say, tell me something I don't want to hear people. One, they got to know you're serious. Right. Two, you can't put them on the spot. You know, I used to see this a lot with the customer engagement work we do. I remember 
at one point we gravitated toward net promoter score, which I think is helpful. You know, would you recommend hmm. my company to a, to a, someone else? Right. Um, but you just get one score and you don't get context and you don't, you don't dig into problem solving. And I think in this age of data, I worry a lot that it cuts out the context. So hmm. not you just are you unhappy, but tell me how I can fix it. And you have to confront, help me confront the reality that maybe I don't see. So I found, especially with teams I worked with, people have to see that you're serious. Um, often that's a one-on-one -on -one conversation or it's a small group that you're saying, we're gonna both hold each other accountable for this. So I think it's something you have to be thoughtful about. You have to open yourself up to be vulnerable. Like I like the way you just said, hey, we weren't getting it right. I had to face into that. So I think part of that is, look, I don't know everything. I have you here as on my team because you're we're doing this together. If you think mm -hmm. I know everything, you're wrong. And if I've led, you know, so I think you have to be somewhat vulnerable and open and admit that you clearly can't be or know or do everything. So I think that people respond to, and that's hard. Uh, we all. I, I remember I got feedback early in my career. Uh, well, it was about mid-career, but my colleagues came to me and said, they told me something I did not want to hear, which was, hey, you're too much of a perfectionist, and you come in with every idea fully baked, and frankly, we don't know why we work here or what to, how to work with you, mm, wow. and that was such, a, uh, such feedback. I mean, mm. I, I ignored the good things because they did give me good <laughs> feedback, Sure, but but I needed to hear that. And so I had a really great HR colleague and he said, you have to go back in there and you have to say, I heard you, I accept it, as hard as that was, mm. and I need your help. So I think, I think that, that, and I mean, obviously if I didn't agree with it, I probably would have had to have had a different conversation. But with so many people giving that feedback, you have to confront it and you have to say, I need your help. Those are hard, um, hard words to say and even harder to make, take the action. Thank you for sharing that. That's such great advice. I know it's hard to hear that because a perfectionist, you care so much and that's, that's why you put that extra detail and time into it and you want to get it right. So to hear that you're missing something, it does sting. Um, but I think we learn to get better at receiving that feedback. And once we do, we realize how, not only how valuable it is, but how it's crucial for growth. Well, I see this in team leaders and I see it, I remember myself and I see it in people just starting out, um, both ends, you know, team leaders, you, back to what we said, you feel like you're supposed to have all the answers. I mean, I lead the team. I'm well, like, again, that's absurd. How could you? That's why you have great people who work together. And when you're starting out, you're often afraid to admit what you don't know. And you, you want to just show how determined you are and you want everything to be perfect. And part of my issue just in general after work, uh, the career I had is just, you know, perfectionism is a personal issue I had to deal with, but just the, the weird relationship business has with failure. You know, the startup mm -hmm. culture gave us these great phrases like fail fast, fail often, but no one really <laughs> mean no one really means it. No. Right? No, it's like it doesn't mean anything. And and so especially what you're saying as a leader or when people are just starting out is I'm making room for you to mess up. Now you can't mess up that you so much you're gonna break the company, but you can mess up because that's the way you learn. And again, that's, I think, mm. a different mindset that over time and with confidence and with the right leadership, you you get there. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I, I think through, you know, when our agency made a pivot, I got the opportunity to speak on niche down clarity and focus. And midway through speaking about it to some other entrepreneurs, as I was talking about failure, I had to admit to them, 
I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't want to fail again. It stings. And so I'm not being authentic right now by telling you that it's okay to fail and that I'm okay with it because I don't like it. I still am, I still want to win. It's it's driven in us. But are we okay with failing in, in doses that are measurable? Yeah, I, I, and I think your honesty of that, you're competitive, you're, you're leading and building a business. I, I, I mean, some of the best people I've worked with are the ones who hate to lose. Hmm. Um, but I also believe that with you can't have success without failing. I mean, it's how we learn. Think of think of toddlers when they're they're learning to go from crawling to walking. Hmm. I mean, if we held them responsible for every time they fell down and said our kids were failures, I mean, imagine they would never get up again. Right. Um, so I think there's I think we just uh, we, it's just part of how we work. But there's so much uh, pressure, I think, especially in a public company scenario, mm. so much pressure on the data, the speed. And uh, I came to believe you just need a kind of a second lane in your company, on your team, in your mind, where you're keeping room for experimentation, for testing things at a smaller scale, kind of under the radar. Again, not that you're going to like bet the company in that way. And I think that's a way to start to build some of that confidence. Uh, and you as a leader and as an agency had failed number of times. And to be able to share that story with your team, that's incredibly powerful. Well, thank you. I've got a few questions for you. And then I want to talk more about your book, which you, you're weaving in out of concepts about that already. Uh, great book. I love it. Thank you for writing thank it. You. Thank you. I've, Thanks for reading it. A couple of specific questions for you, though, about your past, which I've, I'm sure you've heard about a lot. But one is uh, is turning down a job offer from Steve Jobs more than one time. Can you talk about that for just a minute? That just That's so intriguing to me. Yeah, well, um, I, I, w I was in a uh, really one of my toughest jobs. I had gone back to NBC and was leading digital media uh, after many years at GE. And um, it was a really tough environment. Everybody was very fearful of change. It was the arrival of YouTube into the scene. So it was a very tough environment. I was leading what's next. And it, 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 let's just say things weren't going that well all the time. And so I had a lot of reason to think I should maybe leave. And so I'd gotten as part of my digital work to work with the team at Apple, and they had approached me about a job, and uh, they brought in Steve Jobs to seal the deal. And um, it happened twice. I turned down the first one. It just wasn't the right fit. We both mm -hmm. agreed. And then the second time, it was a bit harder because it was a bit more of a fit. But I just knew it wasn't the right role for me. I was also incredibly loyal to my company. Mm. But it was one of those I, – I, I regretted it on some levels because I, I know he was a tough – a tough boss, but a good people felt they really learned from him. So I, I always regretted that opportunity. But at the same time, I made my decision. I didn't regret. I, I made it with good reason. I didn't think I would be able to do the things I wanted to on that path at Apple. Um, you know, sometimes I looked at uh, GE's had a tough couple years. You look at the stock uh, stock right. value of GE versus Apple. You go, what were you thinking? Of course, you can't. You you can't really tell that future. But I did it because I believed I knew in my gut and I did a, a both a logical and an emotional assessment of what was the right path for me. And so when you make those decisions with all your best judgment, you just move forward. You have to make it work. I think it's really important because people live in that 
<clears throat> that that fear of missing out and then if they make their own decision and that's happened in my life and a career change before where I made a decision to leave something and uh and then it thrived and did really well and I didn't get to be a part of it I just had that that it wasn't proud of myself during that moment I learned something about me Derek as a person things I need to work on but I had such jealousy and resentment that I I'd missed it and I had to learn to work through that and be happy to what I call legacy entrepreneurship of of being willing when you leaving it better than when you left it and then moving on and being happy that it thrives, even if you're not a part of it. But I think I've seen a lot of people that, that have that what if, and they get stuck in that moment. It could be, it could be small things, you know, could it be that they played college, you know, high school sports and didn't get to go to college sports or whatever it might be. And they spend a lot of their life in regret for it. I love your mindset. Any other advice on being able to move on when you just make an intentional choice, I'm going a different direction. Yeah, well, I think partly make sure your choices are intentional. I had a mm. have a real process. I Good. I went through that with that one. I mean, where I list the pros, the cons. I noodle it. I ask people for advice. In this case, I you know it was mostly my husband who I was asking for advice. But then I kind of take all the input and I say, okay, where where what is my thought now? Mm. I I sleep on it and I say I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and my gut reaction is what I'm going with. And I do that with a clean mind, knowing that I have put my best effort, I'm using my intuition and my logic, and I'm making this decision. I've made it. Here we go. I feel good about it. Hmm. So I think I think when you make decisions that way, personally, I, I had to learn not to, well, like the group, everybody says, you know, those moments when everybody says you should do this, but you don't want to do it. Like right. those are the hardest to live by. When you've said, I've listened, but I've made a choice. I've made a choice. I think that makes your decision much easier. Getting there is hard, but I find it making easier. And then the other thing I would say is the kind of what if for the past, I just find doesn't help. What if for the future? I think it's somewhat helpful, again, mm. not to get caught in that because that becomes worry and anxiety and I'm guilty of that as well. But I think having a regular practice of what if for contingencies, for scenario building is important navigating change. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of differentiate the what ifs in those two cases. Yeah, thank you for that advice. I think it's really important for myself, for our listeners to hear. I've got a question for you. Talk about it in your book, but I just... I want to hear your mindset, and we touched on it some, but to go from an introverted publicist to GE's first women vice chair, um, there's a lot of layers in there. Uh, to tell me the mindset there, and just some highlights, because that that is a big transition to go to, and and you you are you have done business and and are leading others and have at the highest level, and so to to see that and to hear your story from that standpoint is really just powerful to me. Well, thank you, but obviously it took a lot of personal work, uh, championship from others and years. I mean, there, there were several decades in that, in that path. Um, I think as a introvert, um, and I'm still an introvert, I I've learned how to, um, overcome the, the parts that hold me back and use the parts of it that are really good to my benefit. And so I think early on, I started to realize that my quietness was holding me back. In some cases, I would go to meetings with ideas, but not speak up. I would go to events, whether it was customers or networks or colleagues, and I wouldn't socialize. I was just would show up and leave. And I realized I missed opportunities. And so I started just a mindset shift, kind of be small micro behavior steps to my, for myself saying, I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to ask one question or I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to pitch this idea. I, and, you know, you start small. You don't go to the board meeting and do mm -hmm. that. You start with your colleagues. Um, 
And I, or I would go to a networking event, event and I'd say, okay, I'm going to go meet one person. Okay, there's Derek. I'm going to go say hi to Derek and then I can leave. Next time I'm going to say hi to two people and then three. Hmm. And so it was just a series of personal challenges and that really helped me. Um, that was a mindset and behavior shift. The other for me was just that I think this is a marketer in me, but what's your unique value? And I think I had to really rely on my curiosity. I'm a curious person. Hmm. And that helped me to see trends, learn things, to be less uh, shy about things. And I would rely on that. So, hey, it's not my idea. I've seen this in the marketplace. I believe this trend is happening. So that gave me a bit of a voice hmm. and kind of opened an innovation path for me. Um, and so those, I, I think, are things that uh, changes I had to make in myself. And then, as I said, the other thing I'd say would just be really important is to have good champions, people who believed in me, who saw those ideas, who often when people would be like, oh, you know, here she comes with another one of her harebrained ideas, they'd be like, back off, let her try it for a while. Mm -hmm. she, she's got this. So I, I think you have to have both, both your own internal work, but you need to be in an environment where that's encouraged as well. Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, we've got just a couple minutes left here, and I want to ask you uh, some more concepts from your book. What I like about it is that you talk about some of the mindset and the transformation as being messy, uh, no easy checklist, because, uh, you know, we, we, we sometimes want to look and see, okay, what are my two or three steps and just make it real clean. And you look at business that you've done at the highest level for you to admit that and share the kind of the process um, that it takes. You, you talk about your approach to mastering change in the face of uncertainty. I just appreciate you, you approaching it from that mindset and, and just approaching the topic the way you did. Can you give us for our listeners, just some, just some of the highlights, a couple highlights of what they can expect when they read this book, imagine it forward, courage, creativity, and the power of change. Well, I wrote it especially for people who are in the, the middle of their career, the middle of the company and team, the, the leaders, the, the team leaders who, who, who work with them, because I think we expect the most of people in the organization and give them the, the least amount of tools to navigate change. And so what I'm trying to do is uh, offer some tried and tested tools and applications that I grabbed or developed um, so that you come away with the, from, in the book with, with some action steps, things you can take to try things differently. Um, I hope I also can offer some encouragement, maybe some provocation to get out of your old habits of doing things. Um, that was my hope in putting the book together. And it really is about navigating change. I think at the heart of it to me, it's about giving yourself permission to take a risk on things. And it's scary. We're all, hmm. there's fear behind that. And so I just tried to offer some personal reflections that, that I found helpful. Thank you so much, Beth. You know, a leader like you is, and, and especially someone that is so involved in personal leadership, you shared that, you know, the, at the very beginning, even the small steps you took, I'm going to meet one person, I'm going to try this, but always a curiosity to, to grow. And can you share with us what's top of mind for you right now, where you're currently at just any final words of encouragement or that, that are top of mind in your world right now? Well, I think you're never uh, you're never too old or too experienced to start over, and that's what I'm doing right now. Mm. So I'm very much I'm taking some of the practices I learned and put out in the book of kind of giving yourself permission, making room for discovery, rewriting your own story, taking small experiments. And that's how I'm approaching things. I put out a book. I'd never done that before. Right. I'm right now investigating different things, whether it's academia or startup life. And these are things that are going to lead to, I don't know what, but they're, I, I'm learning again. 
Beth, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Your website, BethComstock.info. The book, Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. Beth, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us, and I look forward to seeing the next great things that you're going to do. Great. Thank you, Derek. Really enjoyed the conversation. Great questions. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.